Welcome to the Springs in the Desert podcast. We're those friends that you can take with you wherever you are on the path of infertility. Hello and welcome back to the Springs in the Desert podcast. My name is Cassandra. I'm here with one of our co-founders. Anne, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Cassandra. You ready to talk about liturgical living today? Let's get into it. (laughs) So we are so happy to have a very special guest today. Stephanie Aquila is the director of liturgical life for the Co-Cathedral of the Sacred Heart and the founder of His Girl Sunday, a ministry and blog that helps individuals, families, and parishes live liturgically and build long-lasting, authentic Catholic traditions. I love this. She has a Master of Arts in Theological Studies and has worked in Catholic high schools as a dean and an honors-level theology teacher. Stephanie is also in the process of authoring two books, one to be released in November of 2024, and when she's not doing those things, you can find her reading theological books, hosting feast day parties for family and friends, and ballet dancing. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I just love Springs in the Desert. It is my favorite page to follow. Oh, that's such an honor. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Well, we are so happy to have you here with us. I think this is a great topic, especially in we're in ordinary time, right? Yeah, just this question of liturgical living and bringing out the fullness of each season of the church is such a beautiful one. We just want to give you some space to introduce yourself and how your story is relating to our listeners, because our listeners love to connect with our guests. Sure. I guess you gave a really good intro to start with. So I guess (laughs) to spring off of that, my husband and I got married almost five years ago in November. And one of the things that we were gifted with by our families was this deep appreciation and just profound lived experience of the natural seasons and the liturgical seasons. So when we came together, I just feel like we were already from families that were fun. They were festive. There was togetherness and it was ingrained in our own culture. And then when we formed our, started to form our own family, we were like, okay, what of those things do we want to continue? And what do we want to start of our own? That's of us. Mm There was so much to continue, but when I started looking into resources, just researching specific saints or seasons or feast days that my husband and I felt were special, what was or what seemed to be the modern resource was specifically for children. Right. Now, before we knew that we weren't able to have children, so before that enters into the picture, we had agreed that we wanted to form a Catholic family that that basically shared tradition and culture from our own hearts and our own families as adults. Like for us, it was important that we were living it out first and that the overflow of that excitement and joy would pour forth onto children. And... um, A couple, I would say about a year, well, before that, probably several months into our marriage, as we're doing all of this great stuff, we're like preparing for what we envision our family will be, and we're seeking to build up those Catholic lives, we realized that we could not have children. And it's still a big question mark in our lives right now. We've never been told it's a closed door, but we've been married for almost five years, and there's been 
little, I don't want to say little to no hope, although you could start to feel that way, right? But like little, very little signs that that might change anytime soon. Mm -hmm. I think for us, in terms of liturgical life and our vocation, it's still, we still felt that it was very important for us that we lived the year. That's where we came from. That's what we desired for each other before we ever even imagined what, how many kids would come, if any. And that's the mission that we've continued on. And yeah, that's a little bit of a window into my life and the way that liturgical living and the mission of Springs in the Desert come hand in hand. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. I I wanted to say too that I love the fact that regardless of whatever the story and whatever emotions and in your relationship, that you still are seeing that it's a priority to do these things for your marriage together as a couple. And I think that is so important for our community to hear because if you are on, especially if you're on like a treadmill of treatment or or whatever, like many in this community. You can be so focused on that, that you take that focus away just from nurturing the marriage and things like what we're going to get into the liturgical living. So just thank you so much for really emphasizing how important that is. Happy to. You're so right. It it can definitely feel like a treadmill. You get into that hamster wheel mindset and action and behavior couples along with that. And it's very easy to be drained and hyper-focused on that. I too remember one day years in just waking up and realizing a lot of moments that I had let go by where joy could have been. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, you know what? I'm still called to sanctity. So my marriage is still called to sanctity. I have my own story. So even if kids never come, like I, I can't be living for what's not happening, right? I have to be living for the Lord and what I'm called to right now, which is this present moment um, for joy, for festivity, for community. Because right. it's easy to stop living in a way. Yeah, or oh, wait amen. to start living. Because I feel it sounds like you guys were very intentional when you got married because you come from two rich family Uh, traditions of of tradition, right? Mm -hmm. And so we come into marriage, we know what our families did, we either continue or we're just doing the best we can until I feel like if you stop to think about it, it's like, well, maybe when we have kids, then we'll do these other things. And we don't have to wait to add on and yeah, just the connection too with the natural seeds that we're going to get into what actually liturgical living is in a moment, (laughs) seven minutes in. But yeah, it's so beautiful that the church, the rhythm of the church is so connected to the rhythm of nature and how our bodies that we can feel so at odds with are part of nature and God's creation and how, yeah, just the rhythm and tradition of the church just honors that and helps us to honor God's creation and our bodies too. But let me just back up a minute. I We'd like you to just define for our listeners, what is liturgical living? And just tell us a little bit about His Girl Sunday and how you got started with that. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's easy for me to just go off on a roll, especially on this topic. It's Yeah. It's so nice to be with people that get me. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> we do. We do. So what is liturgical living? It is essentially looking at the liturgy itself, 
And the way I like to describe it is by suspending the liturgy over time. That's what the liturgical year does. It takes the mass and all the sacraments, the praise, the sacrifice and the prayer of that. And it just holds it for us over time so that we can participate in it every single day. And the church helps us to do that by gifting us with a calendar, the liturgical year, Mm -hmm. which helps us to be guided by monthly devotions, solemnities, seasons, feast days. And all of these things are meant to help you grow in deeper devotion and praise to Jesus. So first and foremost, the liturgical year is meant to usher you into a life of praise and holiness. Mm That's beautiful. And how about His Girl Sunday? What is it? How did you start it? How can we find out more about it? (laughs) Okay, so His Girl Sunday was the extension of my heart and home and the joy that I found in living the year with my family, with my in-laws, with my own family, with my husband. And I thought, this is just too darn fun to not share and to not write, at least write the story in hopes that somebody else might feel too. Why not me? Why not me in terms of having that happy, joyful Catholic life? Mm -hmm. I'm deserving of that too, right? And here are the resources that, you know, that my, my goal is to say, here are the resources for you. Here's the story. Here's the context. Here's what it can look like and building up the encouragement for you to make it your own. And I guess in a sense, fill that hole that's there right now in terms of writing and practical resources that are for basically everyone. There's, like I said, there's a lot out there for um, families with children and for children. But before, long before anyone ever started creating that, there was just the tradition of communities. Mm -hmm. There was the tradition and the lived expression of faith amongst families, right, of all ages. And so I thought it's been a long time since we've seen that practically written out. Right. And so His Girl Sunday seeks to do that. Stephanie, I just have to ask you, I'm dying to know, did you get the name His Girl Sunday from the old movie, His Girl Friday? Gets me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to ask that. It was really like burning a hole in my brain. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I grew up on old movies. I grew up on Lucille Ball and just classics. And his girl Friday is an old phrase for an efficient assistant, someone that would be of help to you um, in accomplishing tasks. And I just took out that Friday and put in the Sunday, which is the pinnacle of our faith. And and I'm here to help you. I'm here to help my family. I'm here to help the Lord. And I hope I am an efficient assistant of God. (laughs) Well, we want to hear how efficient you are. So we want to hear, we want to hear some of these practical ideas, right? Right, Cassandra? Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is maybe either just hearing about liturgical living for the first time, or maybe they've seen, maybe they've been following you and others on Instagram. I know I would put myself in that boat. I am blessed to be living in a Catholic community. My husband and I work at a Catholic college and we take that very seriously, right? The banquets and observing of the feast days throughout the year is very beautiful, but there is so much richness in our church's tradition, like how we're in St. Michael's Lent right now. 
that's something I think I found out about from your Instagram page. And I was like, I'll, I'd better do something for this because my husband and I were married on St. Michael and the Archangels feast day. So I was like, I'd better do something because yes, there is tradition centuries in the church that's handed down, but that can be overwhelming. So especially for our couples who are maybe a family of two or they have a small family, how would you suggest that someone go about liturgical living intentionally for maybe the first time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much out there. And I think we're an overwhelmed, inundated people in general, right? Because we see, we have access to all information all the time and it's in front of us always. I like to put myself in the mindset of the way that cultures lived the liturgical year for centuries before me, which was doing what came naturally to them, right? We're looking back at tons of cultural expressions and seeing the whole list and we're seeing all the bloggers write all the things with the lists. I, I even myself, I did away with putting out lists because I just thought that's not helpful. It's not helpful. So what's helpful is thinking about who you are as a person and as a family and what is meaningful and makes sense to you. That's where we started and that's all that we do. Even though I create posts so that Instagram is happy with my feed, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do all the things, right? That's just full transparency. No one is. So start with your own culture. My husband is Italian-American. I am Irish and Hispanic. So we look to those cultures to imitate food and gatherings and prayers and things like that. We also talk to each other and consider what feast days are special to us. What saints are meaningful to us? What devotions do we actually want to do and to carry on? Um, those are questions you have to ask yourself and ask your spouse and then try those things out and see what works and keep doing them. That's how we build tradition, right? We keep doing it because we find it meaningful or don't because it, it wasn't helpful in building you up, mm -hmm. right? And building up your faith life. Yeah. What do you think, Anne, coming from the Eastern lung? Yeah. So I'm Byzantine Catholic. So everything that you're talking about really resonates with me. And we would talk about something that I think is deeply related which is this idea of the domestic church, right? And that our homes are meant to be little churches, not that there's incense burning and statues and icons everywhere, but this idea that we really are taking that liturgical celebration home with us. So for example, the Eucharist is celebrated on that holy table of the altar. Well, how can my husband and I make our table at home, our kitchen table, similar that we that it's an offering and a sacrifice for each other when we have dinner or when we sit around our table having conversations and even just the hospitality opening our homes to to others and letting them know that this is a place where God lives so i think it can be really easy there are really easy steps to living liturgically mm -hmm. yeah and piggybacking off that and there just there was never it was never meant to be lived out solely at home within the confines of your four walls. I think that's something that we see a lot. And so we automatically intake this information that it must be done in my home by me. I'm orchestrating it all. 
that has never been the tradition of the church for the liturgical year. It has always been communal. And I think especially as families who struggle with infertility of whatever type, that we are in our struggle seeking to reach out. I think that it can be very easy to want to turn in, right? And when we see liturgical living online and we see it at home, it becomes another inward motion. But really, Catholic culture is an outward motion. So we have to seek to be with community and in community so that we're doing it together. It's a lot easier to live liturgically with the help and the support and the joy of others, right? Instead of you putting on an event or an activity for your family. that That's not as organic, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. And I think this just dovetails nicely into what we wanted to talk about next was how liturgical living can really bear fruit in a couple's marriage. And just from what you're, I mean, you're sharing all of this and um, yeah, t- teaching and educating people and then people bring it into their homes and it becomes a beautiful way of giving fruit to the marriage and then out into the community. So I just wonder if you could speak to that a little bit, the fruitfulness of liturgical living, especially for Mm -hmm. couples in this situation. And then also we touched a little bit on the challenges couples experiencing infertility face when trying to live Mm -hmm. liturgically. But yeah, if you had anything else to say on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think in terms of that bearing fruit is such a profound phrase because our minds automatically think of the gift of children, right? That's usually the phrase that we use when we speak of that. And so when that doesn't happen, you ask yourself, am I not how am I not going to be able to bring forth anything good? Or what good can come or what fruits, what blessings can come forth from me and my marriage and my husband? And just we just like the natural seasons. The natural seasons have periods of time where there are fruits and blessings and abundance and where there's not. And I think it's very, it could be a very enriching experience to unite yourself in humbleness with the land and with the world and with the natural order of things, right? Mm -hmm. That there are times where I do not bring forth or I'm not bringing forth good fruit, I guess, because I'm wintering, I'm growing interiorly, I'm praying, I'm reading the word, I'm doing things in my heart so that in times where, on seasons where there is bloom, I echo that too, Mm -hmm. that I can nurture myself interiorly so that it can pour forth outwardly. And I think, especially in infertility, we have a really unique opportunity that's unlike what some women get to experience, some men and women get to experience, and that we get to really explore gifts, our gifts and our talent. Not that other people aren't, right? But that we have to think outside the box, mm-hmm. right? We're thinking in other ways now. Like, how can I bless my family? How can I bless my community? What mission and meaning does my life have? And I think for me, looking, like I said, to the natural seasons, looking to the year, helps to usher me into that, right? So to make sure that I am nurturing myself and then pouring forth 
this ministry, but really it's my life with my spouse (laughs) that I'm just sharing. And in a way, our marriage has been strengthened and blessed beyond what I ever could have imagined through offering praise to God, through being happy with each other, right? Not looking at each other and only seeing our brokenness or our emptiness, but rising above that to say we're together in we're together because God we're together for God and what can we do every single day to continue to sanctify one another and usher each other into holiness right mm-hmm. I know that's a, a lo- super long-winded way but <laughs> and I'm sorry for that but no. you know just making these connections as to like how you can still be abundant yeah This is a hugely important point, Stephanie. I'm so glad you made it. And this community needs to hear it. This idea of wintering and being able to go interior, because if we're in a season of infertility and we talk about fruitfulness a lot in this ministry, but then you can think it's an, it's a different treadmill that you get on. Oh my gosh. Okay. We don't have children. So we have to be fruitful. So we have to do this. We have to do, do, do. And then that's not good for your marriage or, or your relationship with God either. So mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you brought out that point. It's so important. Yeah. And you've, you've brought up on Instagram too before this idea of because there's currently no children in the home, you're able, there's a space and a silence that allows you and enables you to pray with the church, the divine office, or to deepen in our prayer life in that way. Because yeah, it's a hard truth, but this season of our life and every season is a call to holiness. And that holiness is going to look different in every season. But right now, if you maybe have that opportunity in your home, I know I don't necessarily feel like I have that right now. So just because I don't have children doesn't mean that we automatically have silence and serenity in the home. So I'm not trying to put that pressure on everybody because if you're like me and things are crazy at work and your husband is crazy at work and you have a new puppy, it's your prayer life is going to look different. It's going to look different, right? But we talk about the seasons of the year. There's also the natural rhythm of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And how the church wakes up and praises God at dawn and morning prayer and then at evening prayer. And these are beautiful opportunities that are there for the taking. We don't have to invent anything. We can just tap into what the church is doing and has done for centuries. And for someone mm-hmm. who's overwhelmed with this idea, I think but you can apply that too to the whole year. We can start by just leaning into what the church requires us to do, really making sure we're setting aside Sunday as the Lord's day and observing that Friday penance, which used to be laid out, at least for us Latins, then it was abstaining from meat on Friday. And now that's still kind of the preferred, but we're required to observe Friday and Sunday, that kind of miniature passion, death, and resurrection of the Lord that happens every week for us. So it's really beautiful. The church really gives us so many gifts and so many graces, and we don't have to invent stuff, although that's cool too. You invent stuff with your family and like you were talking about, see what works for you. But yeah, it's just what a gift to be Catholic, guys. It's really amazing. (laughs) It's true. It's so amazing. And it is a a special gift to be able to journey with a faith, especially in this way, in this 
with this cross because while it can often feel like the modern church doesn't see me, which I think could be a whole nother topic, <laughs> the women of the Bible certainly do. And I've taken so much comfort and in them. And I forgot how much infertility was in the Old Testament. And I've been reading Women of the Word, and that has been so helpful too. So you're right. The, ch- the church is abounding in blessing and resource and joy. I wonder if you could share, and we're getting down, Cassandra, we never have enough time. There's always so much to talk about. <laughs> but if you had maybe one or two things that, that you could share to get somebody started, especially in a home where there aren't children, and we might think, I can't do this or that tradition because we don't have kids. Listen, magically, somehow, on December 6th, there are treats in my husband's shoes. St. Nicholas comes anyway. So maybe you have one or two things like that you can share. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you know the tradition, St. Nicholas is actually coming for the children. And the longstanding tradition has been that the adults would exchange small gifts. It's there. It's there. (laughs) I think um, we just need to open our eyes to see the inclusion of everybody for that. So where do we start? We start with the sacraments. We make sure that we're going to mass every Sunday and we have regular lives of confession. We picked a devotion together, which is a devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus. We had our home enthroned to Jesus. So that may be something that is of interest to you. If not, think of what uh, what devotion might be good for you and your spouse to, to do in your home together. More specifically, like day in and day out with feast days, we chose saints that are special to us that we feel connections to. And then I cook something special for that. So I have a whole section on my website called Liturgy Kitchen with picture by picture recipes. So I love doing those recipes and who who's not eating? So you can cook, you can bake. We host gatherings. So we have little like seasonal parties where we do for All Hallows Eve, we host Murder Mystery Date Night. We have... Ooh. Christmas, like all day movie day where the door is just open door policy. You come in and out as you want. We're, we'll be doing like breakfast all day. So there's ways to just be who you are. We like to feed people. We like to be with our friends. We look at what has been done before. And frankly, it's been done by adults. Like the kids are not running these traditions. <laughs> right. No, they're <laughs> not. <laughs> right. And it doesn't have to be like an Instagram set up pretty, like, it's just who you are, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. What kid is the one setting up the bonfire for John the Baptist, right? It's not (laughs) happening like that. Stay away (laughs) from the John the Baptist bonfire, kids. (laughs) If you're at my party, then we make you do a grasshopper eating challenge. So there are ways to have fun and gross your Catholic friends out and make them want to at least come back to try. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. So our listeners can find you at hisgirlsunday.com. Are there any other resources that you like to use for liturgical living? And I also, I'm just going to add this on. What is your favorite Saints Day to celebrate? My favorite Saints Day? Oh, that's so hard because I love them all. Michael Miss is one of them. We love Michael Miss and and my husband and I love St. Michael. And there's an, do you know the old Irish story? Oh, I don't know. That 
that St. Michael kicked the devil out of heaven and he landed on a blackberry bush. And every year he comes back to spit on that blackberry bush. And after that feast day, the blackberries are like out of season. They're not good anymore. <laughs> so we do a, a blackberry treat on the feast of St. Michael. And that's right around the corner. So you can do that. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Any other resources you'd like to share? My website is there. Feel free to to follow me on Instagram or Facebook where you get the kind of day in, day out and little nuggets of things that I probably went on for way too long about here. But there's another book, if you love philosophy, uh, that is like my liturgical living philosophy Bible. It's called In Tune with the World by Joseph Pieper. And it is a philosophy of festivity. And it is just, it is gold. So try it. (laughs) I'm going to have to recommend it to my husband who else happens to be a philosopher for better or for worse. For better or for worse, Mary Philosopher, <laughs> take what you get. Anyway, yeah, right, Stephanie, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much fun. for coming on the podcast. And I don't know, I think there's much more to talk about. So we'll see what happens. I agree. <laughs> I feel like I've just got lots more to say about all this with you two. are so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. And well, that's why we have a podcast. So until next time, Springs and Desert listeners, we hope you enjoyed. And we'll see you next time here on the Springs and Desert podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this Springs in the Desert podcast episode. We would be so grateful if you took a minute to rate and review us so that we can reach more listeners. Don't forget to check out our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram and go to our website, springsinthedesert.org, where you can sign up for our newsletter and community prayer list, read our blog, and register for virtual and in-person events. Most importantly, remember that God loves you so much and so do we.